Blog Talk Radio. Are you a native son or daughter of the South who pleads the stars and bars? Someone not born in Dixieland, but who is a Johnny Reb at heart and looking for a place to shop that promotes Southern heritage? Well, your search is over. Dixie Republic is the place to go for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Inside the log cabin, just outside Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, Dixie Republic has t-shirts, hats, videos, flags, books, belt buckles, and some of the best mouth-watering barbecue sauce that will ever touch your lips. There's just about everything you want honoring the South at Dixie Republic. Well, you say that South Carolina's a bit too far for you to drive? Have no fear, my friend. All of this is just a mouse click away. Go online at www.dixierepublic.com. Your home for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. May the blessing of tear be upon you. We have the new products at InfoWarsLife.com, BioTrue Selenium. We've had so many requests over the years for selenium, and just recently we were able to source a certified organic bioavailable selenium from mustard seed extract. When you take selenium in the body, it actually benefits the detoxification systems in your body. It helps balance the thyroid gland. It helps detoxify. Selenium is another one of those absolute must-haves. The highest concentration of selenium is in the thyroid gland, but it's actually used all over the body. As a matter of fact, there's 25 genes in the body that are directly dependent upon selenium. So it really is a all-around nutrient that everybody really needs. I'm taking it now every day. This is so key. BioTrue Selenium is the product, the best selenium that we could bring you. We believe it's the best out there at a very, very low price. Exclusively available at InfoWarsLife.com or by calling toll-free 888 are you prepared to bug out? Infidel Body Armor and an Army Ranger have produced a high-speed DVD and book to show you how to drive in combat, patrol, and how to survive in combat. Skills you'll need when it hits the fan. Go to DrivenDVD.com. DrivenDVD.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com.
But a kingdom that has once been destroyed can never come again into being, nor can the dead ever be brought back to life.
welcome to the Resolution Radio Network at ResolutionAudio.com. You are listening to the Sunny Thomas Show, and this is your wild and crazy-ass host, Sunny motherfucking T, bitches. <laughs> Back on a fucking vengeance streak like you cannot imagine, homie. Anyways, if you want to call in or listen now, it's area code 607-203-5423. That's area code 607-203-5423. You can also follow us on various social media. We are actually got a pretty good presence in a lot of different places. Um, on Telegram, you can find us at Resolution RDO and at St. Thomas Show. You can also on Gab find us at Resolution RDO, St. Thomas Show, and at Real St. Thomas on Parlor. We are at St. Thomas Show. Getter, we're on at St. Thomas Show. And I've actually just recently uh, added at Resolution RDO on Getter. So uh, that's actually uh, a new update, by the way. I haven't had a chance to um, fix that. So I'm actually fixing that right now on the description here. So give me one second. Okay, so we've been really trying to um, fix our presence on various social medias because, like I said, uh, social media is doing a lot of crazy shit right now. There are some alternatives out there actually thought are pretty good. Some, I think, are still kind of developing, and others are really starting to get some um, serious results. Uh, Wimkin, by the way. I do have a presence on Wimkin, is um, starting to get some serious endorsements. Uh, recently, uh, Rudy Giuliani has uh, endorsed uh, Wimkin, and also Roger Stone. That that was actually very interesting. Okay, so I was trying to fix this. We'll get it up on there at least. There. I will try to hyperlink it at a later date. Um, I'm actually going to update a couple things here. Hang on a second. Yeah, so like I said, we're trying to uh, just get some stuff cleaned up on here. I have a certain amount of word count that I can I don't know why it's not letting me do it, but okay. We'll just go ahead and uh, fix this. Okay, got up run. All right, so uh, we've been trying to play some catch up here. We have been looking at different um, technological uh, features here. Uh, we, our supporters have actually helped us out a lot, so we were able to uh, actually get a few things updated. So we got a good solid internet connection uh, finally. So we can actually use the regular mic instead of the other one. And so we should have a much clearer sound right now. And I think that actually works out all set. And let's see here. So we've been trying to catch up on a lot of stuff and get some things just formatted. A lot of the shows on the network have actually finally starting to catch up. Like I said, we've had some technical difficulties. I had to have a couple of computers reformatted and up and running so that's actually been working out pretty good 
And we've also had other things set up as well. So we've been uh, improving uh, a lot of things on the technological aspect, um, as well as I'm looking at reforming and matting the whole show um, sometime soon for a complete total revamp. So I'm looking forward to that um, as it gets closer to the holidays. Speaking of which, um, we have some holidays coming up. Obviously, Stalin's coming up, and I'm hoping to get um, some of my favorite uh, um, uh, pagan gothies on, so that way we can uh, kind of celebrate the the one of the definitely treasured holidays, that's for sure. Uh, of course, we'll have Yule coming up later in December on the solstice. So those are some things we'll be looking at as well. And so we're going to change up a lot of stuff. I have a very special show lined up, hopefully by next week. And we're going to have an incredible roundtable of guests. Some that um, I've actually wanted to interact with each other. Others is like, wow, it'd be really great to have these guys together. So we're going to have an awesome show next week that I'm already got planned. And it's just absolutely going to be phenomenal. But real quick, just to kind of catch up some of the headlines. Uh, one of the main websites to go to anymore for up-to-date news stuff is obviously uh, – Dan Bongino's website on BonginoReport.com. Um, so we're getting a lot of information now on, on different things. And so here's a Watchdog article. It says uh, Hunter Biden's laptop confirms at least 459 legal violations. I was not even talking about the uh, stuff he was doing with Chinese girls on there as well. This guy's just a freaking slime bucket, that's for sure. But, I mean, he's a real tool. Can you imagine if that was Don Jr.? Man, that'd be all over his ass. It's amazing what this guy's been able to get away with. Um, and, of course, other interesting things. I mean, obviously, AOC has has got to go. AOC was heckled again. Of course, that's always a good thing. She's a real complete tool. Every now and then, she actually says something um, half smart, but then when she, once she tries to explain herself, it shows just how stupid she really is. Um, IRS announces tax adjustment that adjustments that will likely affect your paycheck soon. Of course they will. Jeez. See, here's the thing. Everyone wants to focus on the fraudulent uh, J6 bullshit. Instead of Capitol Hill and raising hell about the election, we should all be going to the Federal Reserve and demand that it be burnt to the ground. For the simple fact that it is not federal, there are no reserves, and it has captured – uh, the monetary policies of this country for well over 100 years. Interesting enough, a lot of the millennials, thanks to Ron Paul, um, has kept asking Rand Paul, when are we going to end the Fed? So, I mean, interesting enough, there was actually a lot of backlash against the IRS once Biden got a bill passed where they're basically going to add 87,000 more IRS agents to go after every single working man in this damn country. So, when people realize that the IRS is the clutching wing of the Federal Reserve, you're like, oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's actually starts adding up um, uh, pretty quickly. So uh, if you haven't caught some of the shows on the network recently, we have a lot of um, shows that we've um, caught up with here on the Resolution Radio Network. And uh, it helps if I can spell the damn thing right. There we go. So uh, last week, uh, you checked out my interview with Dennis Wise. Um, we focused on 
um, his third documentary, uh, which is phenomenal. Of course, it, his first main one is Adolf Hitler, The Greatest Story Never Told. And I've got the bragging rights to say that um, I told him, he said, as, uh, you should put an As Seen on TV sticker on your DVD box. And he said, why is that? He said, because it's been broadcast not once, but twice in its full six-and-a-half-hour format on um, cable access, all within, uh, all with, ran through southwest Ohio. And also broke it down into hour-long segments, so that way it could, bits and pieces of it could be aired at random at any given time, 24-7. So it's actually a pretty badass um, thing in its own right. His second documentary, Communism by the Back Door, really explains a lot of how the globalists do things, how they implement stuff, um, how they use media and entertainment to push communism and uh, many other things. Uh, so it really makes you go, Wow. And then, of course, his most latest documentary, The Secret Masonic Victory of, of World War II, is absolutely phenomenal. Now, is it a, could be considered a quasi-prequel to, to his greatest story never told? Is it a sequel? Is it just a complimentary piece? Is it a great bucket? It's all in none of them. I mean, it's phenomenal in its own right, and it's an excellent companion piece to The Greatest Story Never Told, as well as to the whole trilogy, uh, including Communism by the Back Door. So I highly recommend that you go check out that documentary. So if you click on the show link for last week's uh, show, because I actually had recorded an interview with him a while back, but in the process of trying to get all this stuff figured out, um, we managed to get a little um, just caught on some of the stuff. So we got all set up and running, and he gives a little bit more detail about um, the, the some of the latest, latest format of this particular documentary. He focuses a lot on the Bolsheviks taking over Russia, uh, some of the other stuff on it. I mean, it's actually phenomenal. So I actually thought that was actually really, really cool. And so um, I wanted to get the latest installment with Dennis so that way people can um, really check out the documentary. So I have updated some of the information on there. And so if you go to the show link, um, you click on there. It says purchase the documentary here. There's a hyperlink there where you can go and purchase that do uh, documentary, which is available here domestically in the United States. You can have it in your box for as little as probably a week or so. I highly recommend you watch it because it's it's really good. Okay, so um works out really well. So cover some bases on some stuff and uh, try to catch a few things. So uh, we were trying to catch up a lot of the shows that we've been lagging. So a lot of American Dissident Voices have been up to date so far. We've been also trying to catch up um, some of the uh, political cesspools. And we added a couple new programs. We added um, the, the Kate Daly show uh, that she features uh, for an hour on InfoWars each week. I really enjoy our content as well as some of our guests are phenomenal. So we've been starting to add some of that going back to July. Uh, so we're trying to catch catch that up. Uh, we recently also started adding Fash the Nation, um, which is uh, featuring Jazz Hands McFeels and, of course, uh, Warren Bailo. And um, some of these guys are members from the uh, National Justice Party, which I recommend you check out their news site, justicereport.news. It's formatted just like Drudge Report, but really breaks it down in key categories 
that absolutely just underscores um, the information here. So, for example, if you go to justicereport.news, first section you get global news. I, I couldn't believe this as soon as I saw this. Uh, trust resigns. The shortest prime ministership in the history of Britain. 45 days into it, she resigns. Wow. And they told her to do something she didn't want to do. She's like, screw you, I'm out of here. So that's pretty interesting. I've also been seeing a lot of stories, I guess, in South Africa. There's uh, two major uh, companies there, Diskim and, uh, of course, Woolworths. And they basically have announced they're no longer going to be hiring white people. They're not going to promote them. They're going to try to purge them. They want nothing to do with white folks. And so uh, there's been a huge clarion call to whites in South Africa to rise up and say, show these people who we really are and just make sure they fall flat on their face. And apparently, I guess it's working out. So here's some stuff here. A leaked internal memo from a prominent South African pharmaceutical chain uh, details a memorandum on the recruitment and employment of white South Africans. Basically, they are not to be promoted and not to be hired. This is the beginning of what's going to happen to the rest of the West. Uh, there's a I don't I didn't catch the lady's name, but on Alex Jones's show the other day, he had a um, prominent uh, medical physician, journalist, and I guess you want to call it an activist, featured on there from Sweden, and she really was documenting just exactly how bad that country's gone to hell since they started having an open borders policy. Now Sweden had the lowest crime rate almost anywhere in the world. I mean, they were absolutely the most peaceful nation on earth. And within the last 40, 50 years, they've been steadily get, uh, just going through hell where they've got riots and all sorts of shit going on there all over the place. Raping of beautiful Swedish women. I mean, it's absolutely amazing what is going on there. And, of course, the laws are written for Swedes because Swedes are not violent people. And so the laws are very lenient in many ways. And they don't apply to many of the migrants that go there uh, that are essentially running over the whole damn thing, and even some cases having uh, crime families. So it's pretty amazing some of the um, stuff she's talking about. But a lot of the other things going on, too. Germany is really uh, having some interesting stuff going on as well. But more importantly, um, one of the people that really matter in Deutschland is Alfred Schaefer, who has been recently uh, freed from his uh, prison bonds uh, this past summer after some bullshit that went on. And uh, his sister, Monica, is going to be joining us here shortly to talk about um, her activities as well as the great joy she had of welcoming her brother uh, free from the fraudulent prison sentence where he was actually sent. And, of course, he was actually sent to Landsberg, which is actually where uh, Chancellor Hitler was also incarcerated at one time so i think that's kind of interesting but what matters here is when uh free people stand up and speak their minds and it goes against the narrative they try to swat you down they do whack-a-mole so the more of us that stand up and say hey screw you uh basically the more and more we will um uh, uh prevail so uh monica herself has also faced some of that stuff but also alfred is uh, now freed from there to be able to pursue his life interests as he sees fit, as far as I'm concerned, and, uh, you know, basically still speak his mind. So we appreciate that very much. So let me go click on my link here. I have a lot of tabs open, and I'm trying to find because they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So, um, 
So we're going to have Monica on here shortly to talk about uh, many things that uh, has come on since she's been on last. Uh, also, a few years ago, she hosted an episode of the St. Thomas Show. It's her first time hosting a podcast, and she really enjoyed it. And hope she may be interested in doing it again in the future. Uh, but the main thing is I always try to have an, uh, a free mic here for someone who has a platform to go to to talk about things as well as maybe learn some of the uh, craft itself. Um, I've had several people I've had on a guest and then had them host the show, and they started their own podcast even for a short time or uh, are still continuing to do so because of the fact that it is a fun medium, and, in, and uh, as long as the platform doesn't screw you that you're hosting it on, uh, you can still talk about very interesting things. I like talking about life in general. I talk about a lot of different things, but sometimes I get down and dirty on politics, and I call my politicians out. If they're scum buckets, I let them know. And believe me, when they see me walking in the hallway, they either go – they take a big gulp and go, shit, here comes funny. Or they try to quickly hightail it and fucking go out the other door because they know I'm going to hunt them down. So <laughs> I've actually seen that. It's actually hilarious. But um, we'll be back grab these brief messages with Monica Schaefer. And, um, again, make sure to check out all the various uh, social medias for Resolution RDO as well as the Sonny Thomas Show. And we'll be back right after these brief messages. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest price filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. There are many water filters to choose from, but there is only one system that is consistently customer-rated five stars as the number one system for effective filtration of fluoride, radiation, drug residues, heavy metals, a wide range of radioisotopes, and more. Introducing the Pure Effect Ultra, the next generation water filter that also raises alkaline pH, improves antioxidant potential, and has advanced anti-radiation technology, all while using no electricity. Sold worldwide, it provides virtually instant clean water on demand. It is not made in China, and the shipping is free to all 50 states. Buy your Pure Effect Ultra today by visiting pureeffectfilters.com. Or call 888-891-4821. Again, that's 888-891-4821. Or visit pureeffectfilters.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. 
RadioResolutionRDO.com. You're listening to The St. Thomas Show with St. Thomas on ResolutionRDO.com. Call in or listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. We are the American Freedom Party. This is the most urgent time in the history of Western civilization. In the year 1900, white people of European descent comprised 35% of the world population. Today it is less than 9% and falling fast. Europe is being overrun with Middle Eastern immigrants, and America's founding stock is rapidly being replaced with third world peoples from around the globe. For the last 50 years, every influential institution in this nation, our schools and universities, our media, our churches and our employers, have promoted policies and principles that teach whites to be ashamed of their great heritage and birthright. We, who in the 1950s, the 1960s, and 1970s were the world's dominant force, are now so afraid of being called racist that we were quailing towards irrelevance and extinction. Join the American Freedom Party today. Reach us at theamericanfreedomparty.us or call us at 701-317-5317. Paid for by the American Freedom Party. There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of health care that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable health care that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain health care costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. All right, welcome back to the Resolution Radio Network at ResolutionRDO.com. This is the St. Thomas Show, and I am he. Signing to minus five and T. <laughs> if you want to call on this now, it's area code 607-203-5423. That's area code 607-203-5423. I've got some uh, boards lighting up a little bit, so I appreciate everybody starting to call in. Uh, I wanted to bring on Monica Schaefer. She was a very interesting lady, um, violin teacher, uh, just overall great lady. I mean, seriously, just never would imagine that she uh, might step outside the box and might want to speak her mind. But she did a video a uh, number of years back where basically said, um, I'm sorry, Mom, I was wrong about the Holocaust, and basically um, realized that the hoax is actually exactly what it is. It's a hoax. And the more and more you start looking into it, you really start to see stuff. And out of that, there's a, a known documentary by an actual Jew who actually explored a lot of stuff at Auschwitz and found out that a lot of it was bogus. And so when you got your one of your own people looking into it and realizing it's bunk, it, I think it says a lot. And, and even when uh, Steven Spielberg was doing some documentary on the hollow hoax, um, because I'm, I refuse to call it what it is, because that's what it is, is a hollow hoax. I won't call it the other version that they want us to use. But the bottom line is... Um, he, he filmed a lot of testimonials, and there was a, a good handful or two of them worth of people said it was not bad like it's purported to be. It was actually very nice. They had all sorts of accommodations for us. We had Olympic pools. We had uh, places for our orchestras. We had all sorts of – basically, they created a small town to put all the Jews in. And so – and then was able to use them as physical labor to help fund – to, to, you know, 
promote the war effort, whether it's making uniforms or whatever the case may be. Um, they're using a lot of their skills because many of them were maybe tailors or clothes makers or whatever. So that it's not like they just went, oh, yeah, here's the trains. Hop off. You're going to get deloused, and you're going straight to the showers, and then we're going to put in this little tiny-ass little uh, uh, elevator that barely holds two people, and we're going to throw them in all these furnaces and know damn well, even with modern crematoria, they can't even burn bodies that fast. So, I mean, it's, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And the more and more you start looking into it, you really start to go, Man, anytime you ever ask questions about this, and of course, Hitler is always seen as the most evil person that's ever lived. We never talk about Mousy Tongue. We never talk about probably the bloodiest guy of the 20th century, Vladimir Lenin. We won't talk about Joseph Stalin. And we sure as hell won't talk about people in antiquity like Genghis Khan. These people are nothing compared to Hitler. Hitler's the <laughs> ultimate evilest antichrist you could ever imagine. But many of us start to realize, dude, really? I mean, when you listen to Hitler's speeches and you read some of his stuff, he sounds – and also look at his policies. He sounds like a very pro-nationalist uh, head of state, and many of the stuff that he did was to help serve his people. How is that any different than what Theodore Roosevelt wanted to do? How is that any different than supposedly what Donald Trump wanted to do in some cases? Of course, probably what, nine months after he got in office – his America First policy went bye-bye. You know why? Because of his son-in-law, Jerry Kushner. Brackets, please. So, I mean, it, it says a lot. But Monica has also had a very interesting background herself. Um, she's also had to do some uh, some time thinking about her supposed wrong think, as well as, um, you know, just dealing with the backlash of her awakening. And I think it's really interesting because the fact that when you see someone like her – and she steps out, um, it, it should inspire everybody. Because the more of us that stand up, they can't whack us all at once. Because that's exactly what it is, a whack-a-mole. They can't whack us all at once. So we all need to just start standing up. Just like the meme where it's got all the bankers and globalists sitting around a board game, and, and the, the tables, all these people bent over. All we have to do is just stand up, and the, and the whole board folds. That's what we need to do, folks. So, Monica, welcome back to the St. Thomas Show. Thank you so much. Can you hear me all right? Is, it, is the sound good? Absolutely perfect. Oh, good. <laughs> That's a relief. <laughs> Old-fashioned telephone. I'm really telephone. happy because I've had a lot of technical issues over the last uh, few years, and we finally got stuff put into place. Uh, my listeners have been um, very supportive, and e- even just small increments, we're able to just kind of scoop it up into one little pile I was able to get some uh, computers refurbished. I was able to get some other technology upgraded. So we're doing pretty good here at Resolution Radio Studios. And we've uh, i got to thank my listeners a lot because they've really helped us a lot trying to keep this ship afloat, that's for sure. And so we can bring on more great people like yourself. So for people that don't know who you are, Monica, give us a short summary of your background and which uh, eventually led to your awakening. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll just give the the reader's digest version as it is. Um so all my life I believed all the stuff they were teaching us in school and I'm a Canadian by the way. I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada and of of German parents. They immigrated to Canada in the early 1950s and had five children. Alfred is the second oldest, and I'm the second youngest. 
and um anyway we had a really you know good childhood and and grew up in a sort of a german household you could say german home even though we were growing up in canada uh-huh. So, yeah, the German heritage was alive and well for us. But, you know, school and all the mainstream media, we didn't watch a lot of movies, but we were, you know, I think we had, it, it was everywhere, really, the the, the uh, propaganda and the, the post-war, you know, stories and that kind of got going in the 70s, you could say, about the Holocaust and all that. And then it, it was in school that some teacher was was uh teaching us about the soap and the lampshades and the shrunken heads like quite literally and actually you know sonny that teacher he did say intermittently in those lessons he said ah the the victors write the history books but i really didn't even register that until much 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 later that he was trying to sow some seeds of doubt that maybe he himself had some seeds of doubt you know that these fantastical stories you know he said well the the victors write the history books but for me I was so naive and I guess you could say just innocent that I thought to myself well what difference does it make who writes the history books whether it's the winners or the losers don't they just write what happened like don't they just write the facts like what difference does it make it was inconceivable to me that people would write lies into books you know <laughs> anyway it was well well not only that monica but another thing you see too is there's a lot of little nuances that get lost along the way that somehow get rediscovered maybe they find a memo or someone yeah. was there and they kind of start reiterating that like for example dines de souza in in his documentary uh hillary's america really showcased that one of the biggest slave trades in america wasn't necessarily blacks from africa it was the Irish, especially yes. Irish women. There was a big slave trade with the Irish in the Americas for a long time, and yeah. uh, not to mention some of the mixing that went on uh, with, with between those two groups. Uh, but you know, as America was actually taking steps of um, trying to stop the importation of slaves, and, ev- and eventually just kept it within its own containment. And then, of course, time goes on. Of course, the lie propagated to us that the entire Civil War was about slavery and was not about slavery at all. It was a minor issue. It was about states' rights, more or less state sovereignty. And so when you really start to look at the issues of the decades leading up to the Civil War, you start to understand why the South had a legitimate argument about why they wanted to break away because the federal government would start to become tyrannical in different ways using tariffs and all sorts of uh, regulations and stuff on them. And they just said, you know, being being southern gentlemen, they were have a lot of honor and pride. They said, "Hey, screw you! We're not we're not playing this game anymore. We're out of here." And that's basically how it started. But the interesting thing is, when you really start to look at um, when you talk about victors write the history books, which is true, but then as time goes on, many of those other stories come to light, and so you start to see that even some of our folk heroes, like uh, George Armstrong Custer. He's seen as a folk hero, as the Custer's last stand against the Indians. When you really start looking exactly what he did, and plus none of that, but look at all the forensic evidence of the Battle of the Little Bighorn that's um, still laying out there since it's an actual encounter well over 150 years ago, is the fact that um, 
battlefield uh, analysts can go back and look at all, even just the way that the shell casings are laying. You can tell which direction the trooper was firing or how he was attacked. In so many cases, the bodies were still there. And then they look at the skeletons and how bad they're mangled up and how the Indians just savaged them. I mean, it's all sorts of crazy stuff, but yet Custer was never found. So, I mean, wow. it's interesting because the fact that the more and more you really start to dive into that history and forensic evidence oftentimes can disprove an established theory of what happened, um, it, it yeah. brings about a whole new light. brings about they, a whole new light. Yeah, they've lied to us about pretty much everything. And, and you know, wasn't it um, William Casey who was briefing Ronald Reagan when Ronald Reagan got into the White House and William Casey was the CIA head? And he said, yes. he said, when everything the American people believe is, is false, then we have completed our disinformation job. And, and most of what the CIA is engaged in is disinformation, right? So that's kind of the main part of their... Their, their focus and, and job. So I'm glad you brought up the, the South, the American South, because that's another piece of history that we were so misled about that, you know, mm-hmm. up in Canada, I would say this is probably fairly general because I don't know, I, you know, I was not growing up in a vacuum here, but I kind of grew up with the notion that the people in the American South are really simple and kind of you know, stupid and <laughs> like just yeah, like bumpkins. all these, these somehow by infiltration of whatever they were teaching us, and that's the impression we had. And then, of course, like you say, slavery was the first and foremost focus, and and how evil, evil these white people were, and especially in the South. So really, the Southerners, you know, it was just evil. Sort of like the Germans are made to be evil, and nothing could be further from the truth. So it's good that you brought that up. It's it's really all related, isn't it? But if if you like, I can just give sort of summarize um, what happened with with my awakening then, and and what you know what led to that video that we Absolutely. that I made in 2016. And I'll just be very very brief. But um, so yeah, it was much much later, and it was after I figured out the lies of 9/11. And and Alfred and I kind of went on that journey together of figuring these things out he was the first to really get behind who did 9-11 and when he said yeah israel this and israel that i i said hey wait whoa whoa where do you get this from how do you know how can you say this because you know we've been all um taught to have an allergic reaction to pointing our finger at israel or the jews to be guilty of anything right like that's like makes us shrink back and in horror and but you know he he obliged and and kind of um led me along the way and sent me some websites and this and that and it didn't take long before i had that one figured out and then then we kind of helped each other out with information about the various other lies and so the hollow hoax we figured that out you know after 911 and it, and even 911 we didn't figure out till 10 years after 911 so really our awakening was really quite late we were you know, asleep at the wheel most of our lives, both of us were. So then um, I said to my brother one day on the phone, because he, he's living in Germany since decades, and, and we were talking on the phone quite often because we were the only ones in the family that went down this road of kind of waking up to it. We tried to help our siblings and others in the family to wake up, but they 
dug in their heels hard and we have a real family rift going on and I understand that's the case in many 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 families it's tragic and it's very sad that that's the case it's another one of those divide and conquer things right that even amongst families in families it, there's the the divide thing going on so Anyway, I said to Alfred on the phone, geez, I wish I could apologize to mom for the things I said to her when I was a teenager. And, and going back to what that teacher had taught us about lampshades and soap and shrunken heads and me, a little, little girl who was, well, probably I was, it was probably junior high school. I don't remember exactly how old, maybe grade eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was going home and I, I was so traumatized by all these things we were learning about those evil Nazis and evil Hitler and whatnot. And I... I said to my mom, like, why didn't you stop these things from happening? You could have organized with your friends and family and other people. You could have done something. And, you know, she just said to me, you know, we didn't know. That's all she said. She never, like, a lot of people just assumed that she would have said, no, no, those things didn't happen. No, she didn't. She just said, no, we didn't know. We didn't know. And and I'm sure that by then she came to believe all those lies, too. Same, same thing probably with my dad. I think he came to believe those lies, too. I mean... We can't ask them. They they died years ago now, but um, that's how it came across to me anyway, that all she could say is we just didn't know, which is the truth. They didn't know. And then, of course, I made this short video, six minutes long, saying just exactly what I just told you, Sonny, and and then saying, yeah, now I know why she didn't know, because these things didn't happen. And that's the, the spark there, right there, that those words that I uttered in the video, my short video that really ignited the the fire and brimstone <laughs> and I became an expert in something called ritual defamation and then uh long story short then I went back to Germany just to visit my brother over uh Christmas time 2017 and wanted to just stay a month and then lo and behold um I got nabbed and thrown in jail and so and the rest is well that's the rest is history as they say but I was in jail for 10 months, and Alfred was in jail for four years, and like you said in your very brilliant introduction there and in your very good summary of the Hulk hoax, and, and you know, if somebody's listening that didn't actually realize that it's a bunch of lies, you did a nice little summary there. Um, but anyway, <laughs> he just got out on July 1st of this year, and in... I'd say for the first few weeks, maybe the first month or so, his primary focus was to regain his uh, well-being. You know, he he said mm-hmm. to me that he thought he was doing pretty good coming out of prison. He thought he was in reasonable shape. But after he worked in the yard, after the day one of that, he could hardly move, he said. <laughs> Every muscle and joint was sore. And so he just worked till to the point of exhaustion day after day just getting the yard back up to snuff and doing outside things going for walks and whatnot regaining his physical health and he says also you know his mental well-being i mean even though he came out with flying colors i i mean if you saw some of the letters and i did publish some of them and and you know he he was just very very busy writing letters all the time so a lot of people know sort of some of the contents of of how he was writing and what he was writing and he just wrote with just total fire in his belly like just a a really um you know brilliant metaphors he would make for what's actually happening and uh metaphors with with natural processes like with nature and he he just had some really brilliant insights and and he would write these in letters 
Anyway, and now in in uh, more recent weeks and months, he's been doing quite a few podcasts too, and he's uh, not holding back. I can tell you. <laughs> so yeah, that's. I'll just. Uh, well, I know, it's interesting. Let, let some, of you, so some of the people that you may actually encounter while incarcerated is actually pretty interesting because of the fact that um, you know there's a lot of people who just become victims of the system. Others. Yes. Um, you know, I I, I knew guys. As a matter of fact, one guy I went to junior high with never went to high school. Um, he kept getting busted for like purse snatching or something. But um, and he was just kind of a you know basically a, like a burden to society. I mean, constantly getting arrested, you know, incarcerated, and he get out and he go get busted again. You know, just didn't know anything else. And then one day, I guess he was finally got home, and he was in the car with his folks, and they got in a real bad accident. They survived, but he didn't. So it's kind of bittersweet. But bottom line is, it's like it, it's sad to see, you know, one of the people go. But if you're not a, a contributor to society, you know, you're just a burden of it. But the thing that gets me is, is the fact that um, there are people out there that just uh, never got any skills, maybe never completed school whatsoever. Um, you got to eat, so you eventually going to get desperate and do something stupid once in a while. Um, and, and not that, but if, if you got mouths to feed, I mean, there's people that will, would do, um, petty crimes that they never would have done. And it's completely against the moral character. But when, you know, you got a baby to feed or even some cases people have pets. I mean, as much as the globalists like to per, uh, perpetuate that pets are a much better alternative than children, um, uh, which is to help eliminate our race. It's pretty obvious that some people even go steal, you know, cans of cat food or dog food for themselves uh, to serve their pets. I mean, it's actually amazing. But the bottom line is a lot of people that get in there or, or get caught up in snafu just the way the laws are written, then they end up getting rap sheets. And uh, something as simple as a traffic citation that maybe you got hit from behind, but yet somehow you got cited, and even though you went to go fight it, and it, and you basically lost. It's still less listed as a misdemeanor. I'm like, what does a traffic citation become a misdemeanor? A misdemeanor is is, is in criminal court, not traffic court. It's not like it's vehicular homicide or something, you know. So I mean, yeah. there's all sorts of crazy shenanigans, and and what their obsession with uh, trying to incarcerate as many people as possible because actually judges make a lot of money off of that too. They have one oh, judge in big, Pittsburgh. Big business. Big business. Oh, big <laughs> the, the, the prison industrial complex is a huge business. The, what a cool thing was, there was a judge in Pittsburgh, I do believe, a number of years ago. Um, he got popped for that. He was sentencing uh, teenagers, 16, 17 year teenagers as adults, and was getting kickbacks, like three or $4,000 per case. And wow. eventually someone called him out on it. They did an investigation and found out that, yeah, he's, he's basically incarcerating these people for profit. And then so he ends up going to prison and went to the very same prison he sent a lot of these kids to. When he goes, oh, let's just come up with a name. Oh, Judge Grant. Well, glad you could come here to Three Rivers Prison, buddy. Oh, we got a special space just for you. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I can just imagine the, the welcoming committee they're going to have for that guy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Retribution. <Jeez. laughs> So that yeah, says, uh, no, it's it's big business. The, the whole system, the justice system, the so-called justice system in Germany, which I know now, you know, quite a bit about since I was kind of, um, you know, went through it. But every single court is a private enterprise, and it 
Really? They they don't even. I mean, Germany is not a legitimate state for starters, and uh-huh. and so all these laws are actually illegitimate because the the whole country is illegitimate. Like the the Reich still exists on paper, but they don't have a an organizational sort of you know format for it. So right. they they never signed off a peace treaty after World War II, right? There was a right. ceasefire, and they, the army capitulated, but they never signed a peace treaty. I don't know if very many people know that. Certainly in Germany, most people don't know that because they they do not learn that in school. And you know, well, I thought when Albert I was Jonas in, had signed had signed the formal surrender because he was he was acting chancellor at the time. Say, say again. Sorry, I missed that. What didn't didn't Arab Dunnitz actually sign the, the the official surrender? Well, I think that it would be the military surrender, like capitulation. Yes, they did capitulate. I think perhaps he did. I'm not positive about that, but they never signed a peace treaty. In other words, there's no uh. legitimate German government. They are an occupied country. It's not even a governmental. Like even the United Nations, which is a completely, you know, bad institution. Illegitimate. You know, the, yeah, it's Ill, but they even call Germany some kind of a, what, a non-governmental organizational entity. It's not a legitimate state at all. So, And that's been recognized. That's proven. It's It's been documented. So there, that's the start of it. But the courts, they are just businesses like they they do not like the laws only are they're only um people are are fooled into thinking that these laws are legitimate and i mean certainly the law that we were charged under and and incarcerated under is the most illegitimate law legal fiction type of a thing ever it's just you know what alfred says i love it he says these are just blots of toner on paper (laughs) (laughs) Blots of toner on paper. Why should we even pay any attention to their blots of toner on paper? That's all it is, you know. And that's what he says when when people say to him, "Hey, you know, you're you might be getting into trouble here, but we're all in trouble. We we have to do whatever we can to fight what's going on right now because boy, oh boy, it seems like they're in their end game. And and the, you know, the Jews who are doing this to us, like now with the, you know, jabbing people with poison rat poison in their arms and and coercing and and through psychological warfare through lies and deception and and fear fear porn really they they've coerced how many people on the face of this earth to get the the poison job it's unbelievable but see this is why we got to pull out all the stops right now every one of us who is awake to it has to do everything we possibly can because really, this is do or die time. I mean, it, it, yeah, it. Our very existence depends on it. And I, I was watching the photographs you had going by on on the site there at the beginning of the show online, and you got some excellent memes there, Sonny, and that had really, really good messages about the very thing Thank I'm you. talking about right now, about white genocide, and and it's just you know, whoa, it. Really, it's when when you understand what's at stake and what's going on. I don't see how anybody can just sit back on their laurels and do nothing. Like this is not a spectator sport. We all have to do something about it. <laughs> well, well, it's true. I mean, more and more people are, are 
Now we're starting to realize that. I mean, again, we're seeing the great the great replacement happening. I mean, where I live at in Southwest Ohio, um, I'm starting to see a lot more Hispanics around here than we uh, normally did. And there's certain sections of the Dayton area that's starting to become heavily populated by them, and even some of the uh, uh, some of the vicinity. Then you go down to Cincinnati. Cincinnati has been kind of a hotbed for um, Latinos for probably the last 15, 20 years. And I started to see it a lot uh, in various positions that I had where you go in there, it's like you work a job, and the whole warehouse is all full of Mexicans or something, and not one of them can speak a lick of English. I mean, I'm all about people wow. coming to our country, but do it the right way. I mean, I know a lot of people will try to come here legally, and they have faced so many hurdles. I mean – even some people from South Africa, they told me that just getting out of South Africa alone is, is a freaking nightmare. And if you make any error or mistake on your paperwork, they trash it, and you got to pay twice as much to reapply again. Then they say even after all that, and you manage to get through that, it, it's like that, it's like that scene, opening scene in Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, when, the, when uh, Qui-Gon Jinn sticks his lightsaber into the blast doors. And he's trying to melt them, and then they go and close two more blast doors on it, and he could hear them slamming shut while his lightsaber is still in the, in the door. That's exactly what it feels like. It's like just you think you're finally starting to break through. They close two more blast doors, and then she says that's what it's like trying to get into the United States. So it's like getting out of South Africa alone is a nightmare. You might, so you are you better saying, can I just ask? Are, can I just ask for clarification? Are you saying it's hard to get out of South Africa? It can be because actually once you jump that hurdle, it's an even taller hurdle sometimes to get to the United States. Mm. Because you know what? That's how it was in East Germany. Like I had relatives in East Germany before the um, you know the the wall came down in 1989. Who they they couldn't get out even if they wanted. And, yeah. and you know we always heard about those who escaped somehow or other, and there were some who got shot. When they were trying to escape, right? Not not my relatives. I don't know of any personal relatives that that got shot at the right at the border. But that's what you're saying about South Africa that people are having a hard time leaving. Yes, because they they don't want them to leave for a couple of reasons. One is they're still milking them for everything they got. Plus the fact when you've got a an an, an, uh, an active government that actually has songs singing "Kill the Boer." It's pretty yeah. obvious what their agenda is. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I, I actually heard about that. It was about a month ago or something when they said, no, that's not hate speech, that, that kill the boor rap. You can't even call it song. It's just noise. <laughs> and um, and they, oh, that's not hate speech. No, no. And then after that, the violence and, and crime against whites went up is what I understand, like way up because it's like they just have total – impunity they can do whatever they want against whites with impunity right and that, this is the very same thing they they supposedly uh charged the the hitler government with uh during the 1930s when they were just said they were doing all this stuff to the jews and stuff and really what he's trying to do was trying to get them in the ghettos so they could at least be controlled and monitored because actually if you've actually watched um um Goebbels' uh, film, The Eternal Jew, um, it it really showcases what you're dealing with here as far as them as a group. 
I mean, they're an odd bunch anyways. And when you really start to observe some of the ways and their tactics and stuff, you're like, dude, that's more unscrupulous than any Italian gangster I could ever even fathom. It makes Al Capone look like a saint. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's amazing. And not only that, but then I found out that the the puppeteers behind most of the Italian mafia in this country were all Jews. Yeah, that's right. That's what, what I've learned as well is that, you know, they always make out the, the evil Italian mafia, never mentioning that actually the it's Jewish mafia, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, like, you had the Purple Gang, who were all Jewish anyway. You know, but you know what's interesting is, for example, like Meyer Lansky. You know, he was kind of a right-hand man to Lucky Luciano, but and he kept telling Luciano, "Hey, man, you can stop with this Playboy thing, man. They're gonna pop you for something stupid." And he kept on going after, like he was some high roller. Eventually, they bust his ass on, uh, you know, running, uh, I don't know, uh, brothels or whatever. I mean, gambling. They got him on something, so they sent his ass to prison. And of course, uh, since his his uh, his group ran the Union docks uh, during World War II, basically they made a deal with them that um, if if he'd have his Union guys keep an eye on the docks for potential saboteurs, that there at least he, he would be released from prison, but not to the United States, but he would be um, deported to Sicily, which he, which he was. But there's a lot of Americans that went to Sicily specifically wanting to meet Luciano because he'd become like a cultural figure. And then uh, how he died is almost exactly how Vito Corleone died in The Godfather. Basically had a heart attack in his chair there in his garden. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, huh. you, when you really start to see who, who's really pulling the strings and stuff, you start coming to the same uh, same hands and the same fewer yeah. groups of them. It's always like yeah. five or six families that seem to run it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when you start to look behind anything that's going on that's, you know, destructive and basically bad stuff, you always find mm, a Jew behind everything. <laughs> I know some well, people... Well, not only that, but you've got... Look at the entire music industry, for example. It, like rock and roll. I mean, there's a lot of Southern people that were really against rock and roll. They called the devil's music, blah, 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 blah. And there's some... some um, Ballad stuff. I mean, you go back and look at the the lyrics of the content of the time. I mean, even Elvis doing something like One Night in Sin. I mean, that's just stuff you just don't talk about. It's completely uh, unmoral to talk about some of those things because it really ruins the, I don't want to say the control mechanism, but basically the morality yeah. um, that a lot of these, you know, a lot of Bible bumpers have really pushed over the centuries and stuff. But at the same stroke, uh, there's been a lot of great musical contributions that come out of early rock and roll and some of the stuff, but a lot of the record owners and the producers were all Jewish. And so it's pretty obvious. Uh, even Elvis was part Jew. So, I mean, that oh, was was interesting. Oh yeah. His, his grandmother on his uh, mother's side was, was I think Jewish. Matter of fact, he had been seen a few times uh, wearing a star of David uh, with some of his gold chains and stuff. And so, um, he said he was proud of his Jewish heritage, which kind of makes sense when you look at him. At certain angles, you can see the, the dark bags under his eyes. Because he was out there rocking and rolling all the time, it's because that Jewish blood was starting to show through. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. I know that there's some some um, real 
patriots like you know truth tellers like on our side who who love Elvis Presley I think that he I don't know exactly the history but he did spend some time in Germany didn't he not and he had a he he had a real yes. deep love for the Germans and and yes, everything he, so he was stationed he was stationed in Germany uh during his his stint in the army they put him in the army because if not they were going to arrest his ass because of his performances on stage and so to kind of chill him out a little bit they basically, I think it did two to four years, you know, basically a standard tour. And uh, he went to Germany, and, and he, he really got along with a lot of the people there. And you could hear it in some of his songs. Um, you could hear um, some polka mixed a little in. Yeah. I mean, like Wooden Heart and stuff. I mean, you, you can hear the German influence in some of his music around that time period by the time he started recording again. Yeah, do you know uh, Barbara Ann Novak? You yes, the name her? rings a bell. Yes. Well, she she wrote me some letters in jail, and and I guess at at that time the some of the postage stamps in the states had Elvis Presley on them, and <laughs> I always remember this one envelope. She sent a big envelope, like a full size paper without folding the paper, right? A big envelope, and she put these Elvis stamps on the envelope in the shape of a heart to cover the postage <laughs> it was really huh. sweet and she told me a little bit about Alice Presley and, and his stint in Germany and that so if she uh really appreciates him then I think there's something to that because boy this this woman she really knows about Jews like she's her parents came from Poland and they were so persecuted by all these Polish Jews like it's just oh they really 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 suffered from or I think she actually I'm not sure if her parents came directly from Poland or if they were grew up in New York but maybe uh, the, somewhere that in the background you know they had Polish these um, ancestors and of course Poland is was just riddled with Jews right that's where so many Jews came from was Poland and boy oh boy yeah so anyway that was her story she she has a lot to say about the jews and and what they've done to us and also in her to her family in particular so well you, now you mentioned that you, you've seen some of dennis wise's works yeah um so have you watched just the one or have you watched all three of them uh, yeah i've watched all three although when i watched the third one i don't think it was completed and i don't know if there's been if has he added more in recent time like I don't think I've watched any in at least a year now like has he been adding to the third one there the secret masonic it, victory it, of it, it is completed it is available on DVD if you go to last week's show on resolution RDO uh, for Sunday time show there's a link there where you can go purchase the DVD I'd like to do that because you know I do have the other DVDs like I have the hard DVDs, so I don't just rely on being able to get it on the internet. And I did watch these documentaries on the internet, but I bought the DVDs. I'd like to get the third one too. It's excellent. It all. Oh, all I thought those it, it's detail of how, how the Bolsheviks took over Russia, and and stuff. really, I mean, for most people that we're never taught this stuff in school. I mean, no. when, when we ever talk about Germany, it's like they never talk about World War One. It's like that's like almost like the War of 1812 for us. It's like we don't just don't we just don't talk about it. You know, it's like we heard we, we barely even talk about the Mexican American War. Oh no, let's fast forward to eighteen sixty one. It's all about slavery, blah 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 blah. Okay, we won't talk about the Indian Wars. Yet we did all these atrocities to the Indians, but we don't talk about that either. But then we heard them go to 
World War, won't mention anything about World War One. Oh no, it's all about World War Two, which began with Hitler invading Poland yeah. on September fourth, yeah. nineteen thirty-nine. Yeah, I always remember what we learned in school about Hitler. Like he just wanted to take over the world, and he was just so bad. And I remember the teacher who was teaching us about all that was saying about this was the good war. This was the good war. You know, it it was just such a indoctrination. It went so deep that, you know, you talked about Hitler in your introduction in the first half hour of of the show today, and and you know how he was the most demonized, the most vilified man on the face of this earth, and and that really it goes so deep that even after I learned about the lies they told us about World War II history, and even after I understood that, you know, it did still take a while to be able to shed the residual contamination, mind contamination, the poison, you know, in the mind about Hitler, just because it was just so hardwired into our brains. But I did shed it. It's just that even after I understood on an intellectual level that he was a good man, I still would kind of have these reactions, physical reactions to if somebody was portraying him in a good light, like if I saw pictures of him in a good light, it would it took me a while to oh, you better not do that. People you know, like it's just like it was so diabolical what they've done with that great man. Because now I'll tell you, just to set the record straight right now, I think that Adolf Hitler was the greatest man that has walked this earth in who knows how long thousands of years maybe you know like i just think every the more i read about him and the the more i listen to his own words the more i feel that like this man first of all he was brilliant and secondly he was a very very good orator and he was able yes. to he was able to speak to anybody at their level, like if he was addressing, um, you know, the workers, then he had a way of addressing them. That that, and if he or if he was addressing the youth, he had a, a way of addressing them that just totally spoke to them. And actually, I read a, the book, the autobiography from Hannah Wright. She was that pilot. I don't know if you've heard about her. Fantastic yes. pilot. Yeah, I read her autobiography, and she knew Hitler had met him several times and actually spent some time in the bunker in, in, in his last days of life there. And, you know, she says that when she first met him, she was amazed by how much he seemed to know and understand about what she did, like about flying, about being a pilot, even though I don't think he was a pilot, was he? Not that I I, no. I don't know. But but anyway, he he talked to her at a very sort of high level of understanding about her so she she realized that he 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 was well informed he was well read he he would study something he would you know before he met somebody he would endeavor to learn about what they do or whatever like he was just brilliant absolutely brilliant and then of course yeah he he tried to bone up he tried to bone up on the topic so yes. at least he could be somewhat competent about it yes and and he would make them feel like they are I mean, he he would. They mattered. You know how some yeah sometimes people you meet them and you just feel like when you're talking to them, 
they're talking to you like you're the most important thing at that moment in their life, right? That you're important. Yes. You're an important person to them, and yet you realize, wow, this this guy is really really busy. He's got a lot go on the go. I mean, you know, but that's how he was, and the people loved him for good reason. And he loved the people. That's the thing. Like he absolutely loved his folk, and so that, of course. What what a combination of ingredients, and that's why the Jews hated him so much and had to vilify him so much, be, so that they try to erase his goodness out of out of reality, out of history, right? And, and that's what they do. They will destroy and then they erase the very memory. Not that they're erasing the memory; they just vilify him t- to the you know they, they can't erase his memory because he just can't. But <laughs> they just well, vilify you, you know him. the thing I've I've observed. I, I can't understand like some of these presidents that are often seen as being corrupt and evil and stuff. I mean, you know, this is an example, George W. Bush. Okay. Yeah. The guy was, he's skull and bones. He's globalist. I mean, he's, he's a real piece of work. Right. But that being said, when, when you're on a campaign trail or you get a letter coming in the white house from a little kid and they just have a way to touch your heart in some way. I mean, you can't say he's completely, uh, unhuman because of the fact that there could be a, a little six-year-old who has an interesting perspective on something, and who knows, maybe something that six-year-old wrote in her letter actually um, inspires him to do something. I mean, seriously, I hear stories all the time where presidents um, decided to act on something because a, a a a a young supporter or someone just wrote a letter to the president. Um, it resonated with them. I mean, yeah. You can't be on a campaign trail and not meet some lady who just absolutely just um, has a way about her. Maybe she's just a nice country lady. Whatever the case may be, she just absolutely just resonates, and you're just kind of like, wow, I could sit and talk to this lady for hours. I mean, I've met some of my favorite rock stars over the years, someone like Brett Michaels from Poison. One thing I've always admired about him, he's very much down to earth. I mean, he, he said in interviews long ago, all I ever want to do is play rock and roll and, and just make a good living at it. And um, and you can hear it in his songs. I mean, he writes about life, you know, not necessarily about girls he's met in the past or whatever, but a yeah. lot of the songs about things that happen in their lives. And, um, and when I read his book, uh, uh, Scrapography, um, this is really a human being. I mean, Brett is really a down-to-earth guy. I mean, there's several times I've met him. He's the type of dude that he would sit there, crack off a lid of a beer with you, and sit down and shoot the shit and talk about life. The problem yeah. is he probably won't have a voice tomorrow to sing at the next concert. So a lot of times his personal bodyguard, who who I knew as well, um, oftentimes had to pull him away after a while because Brett would like to just talk talk to people. I mean, He'd wear, out, rock wear out his vocal cords. <laughs> yeah, but he, he was a real rock star. I mean, seriously. Brett Michaels is very much a very personable guy. Now, I've met some of these guys that I admired when I was younger are still prima donnas. They, they still think their shit don't stink, you know? And yeah. it's like, dude, you were cool as hell 30 years ago, but if it wasn't for people like me and this guy, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Because we're still buying the albums and we're still, get, still getting the tickets, you know? <laughs> and, um, and the best part is, hey, you know, maybe you might bring some family members. Maybe we've got children or something it's like Oh wow, you really know this band? Hey, guess what? I I know the road manager. We'll go get tickets and go backstage, you know. And they're like, oh wow, you know. I, I remember one time an ex girlfriend of mine, twenty some years ago, 
her daughter was just getting into Bon Jovi, and she thought the song out at the time was his was his first song. Is like she's like, oh no, she's like, oh, bon Jovi. She's like, what? It's like, oh yeah, it's been around since the early eighties. <laughs> <laughs> this is wow. like the mid nineties. You know, I thought that was hilarious. So yeah. I, I thought that was cool. But uh, the best part is. Good music never gets old. I don't care when it's recorded. If you haven't heard before, it's new to you. Um, so, well, on that, uh, on that uh, note about good music, um, you know all the classical music from the great composers like like Mozart and Beethoven and and Brahms and Schumann and all these great composers. Wagner. I mean, th- the reason it's it's still around is because it was such great music, but yes. you know, guess what? The Jews are trying to kill that too. <laughs> it, they're, they're, I mean, you've probably heard of some institutions are saying, Oh, this is racist music <laughs> or they're, or they're trying to change history and say stuff like, Oh, Beethoven was actually a black guy or whatever. I mean, it, it's so ludicrous. Some of the things they say, but yeah, that that they are trying to do away with those classics and classical music, and it's just it's another one of the destructive forces of what the those who are trying to destroy us are. You know, that's one of the things they do. Noel Ignatieff, you probably know that name, that Jewish professor, and he's dead now. Um, yeah. But he was saying, you know, we're going to bash the the white. Uh, people the 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 white males even the dead ones are going to bash them and the, and the live ones are going to bash them and just like just everything about whiteness has to disappear and he basically spelled it out that you know he he couldn't see how anybody could object to getting rid of whiteness because getting rid of whiteness was you know doing something for humanity i mean he just really really spelled it out but there's an awful lot of of jews who have spelled it out and said similar things just i guess in different Ways. Well, we 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 see we've seen what's been going on, and again, a lot of the stuff you can say they, they say you can tell a man by their enemies. I mean, you look at the people who hate Hitler. I mean, he's got a long list of enemies, and that's because of the fact that he spoke the truth. But the biggest problem is, it, it if anything, it underscored the very thing in which he uh, rose up against. And the more and more you start to see it, I mean, film you know documentaries like the the greatest story never told really put things in its proper perspective. Like we talked about earlier, there's all sorts of forensic evidence that over time uh, proves something else different. I mean, science is a never a settled um, thing. That That's basically right. um, anything can change at any given time. And all of a sudden you realize everything we ever knew about this topic is, is now uh, changed, uh, all, all, all sorts of stuff. So because – when I was really starting to understand it myself, I said, you know what? Before I really get into this thing, I need to really go back and understand World War One and what the hell the deal with that was. And basically what that was, the war to end all wars, was to end the old world order. Which yes. is the true resistance against the globalists because no monarch is going to sidestep their power for a central power. Because Henry VIII is a prime example of that because when he couldn't get his male heir from his first wife he wanted to divorce her and marry a younger one and of course the church is like no you can't do that it's against our doctrine it's like well who says i have to recognize your doctrine i'm a Mm -hmm. king Mm -hmm. and matter of fact aunt had given him a a book 
to basically reiterate the fact that a king can rule his own kingdom as he chooses and sees fit. So he basically said, okay, well, you know what? He spoke out against Lutheranism. Now he's embracing it. And he's like, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to start my own church. And then just to be smart, I'm going to be the de facto head of the Church of England. So they won't stab me in the back too. And so uh, he, he learned to essentially create his own confederacy. So I thought that was actually pretty cool that someone was able to, to buck the power because at that point the church was the central government in all of Europa. That basically dictated policy a good portion of the way. And so some of the same arguments that Henry had against the church is the very same arguments that the Southerners had against our central government in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I had some thoughts, and now they disappeared from my mind along along the way. I was going to say something there about what you were talking about, that very, very interesting history. Yeah. There's an excellent channel on YouTube as well as Facebook. I think it's called uh, Kings and Generals. And um, if you go to the one on Facebook, um, it, it talks about the uh, causes of the American Civil War, I think. And it really shows ever since the formation of this country that the, the, some of the progressive policies of the, of the federal government, especially of its northern states against, its, um, against the south, was picking up over time all sorts of regulations, taxes, tariffs, all sorts of stuff to kind of make the South capitulate and to do what they wanted to do. You had industrial North dictating to agrarian South exactly how you're going to do things to the point where, hey, we're not going to let you buy better farming equipment from England. We're going to make you buy them from Pennsylvania or from Massachusetts. And not only is it substandard, you're going to pay twice as much. And they're like, what the hell? I mean, just stuff like that. It's like forcing someone to buy uh, a Ford Pinto when you know the thing's a piece of shit. It's going to leave you stranded. So I mean, <laughs> why would you want to buy a Ford Pinto? But they say, well, that's all you can buy. It's kind of like having a credit score and say, this is all you can afford, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I actually did just remember what I was going to say because you were talking about science and science has never settled and all that. And, and it just made me think of how the – me, media, the Jew-controlled mainstream media, has taken this thing called science and so perverted it and used that word, science and scientists. Uh, they've used it against us. I mean, they keep saying, oh, the science is settled on climate change, for example, or the science is settled about just this, that, and the other thing. And, and really, when they talk about science in the mainstream media you can basically now that i've you know opened my eyes to what's going on you can basically take it as okay this is the opposite this is a lie this they are using our trust in this scientific process which we all learned in school and it was really good actually like if you actually follow a process of you know testing a theory and and then making sure you can revise that theory if other evidence proves against it, but they just make stuff up and then say, oh, but the scientist or the expert says this or the experts say that, and, you know, the scientists, and they're using it to to buttress their lies, and it just, oh, it bothers me to no end because I was always very uh, science-oriented, you know, in all my life I was always sort of um, 
somebody who wanted to use logic and understanding something. I, I always wanted to understand how things worked and you know why things were the way they were. Little did I know I was being deceived on a grand scale, and it took me till I was in my 50s to wake up from all that. But anyway, <laughs> that aside, I still, you know, kind of always was interested in in how how does stuff work? How do things how does stuff work? So the science that that word using it against us was it's really evil. It's really bad. <laughs> That's what I was wanting to say when you talk about the science is never settled. You're absolutely right, but they tell us. Oh, the science is settled. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because um, one of the books that came out recently by uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. is The Real Anthony Fauci. And uh-huh. uh, like 600 pages long, but it, they did a, they did a damage to try to suppress that book, but still sold well over a million copies. But um, someone actually has just made a documentary based on that book. And um, they're trying to try to pull the strings on them too, but uh, I was listening to the filmmaker on uh, Alex Jones's show uh, earlier this morning, and you go to the website to to watch it. And again, I as you do, probably do a Google search to find it. But um, it, it's a very powerful thing in his own words, as well as other people that try to uh, propagate this crap through the CDC and as well as other countries and stuff like that. You start to really see what's going on here. I mean, this guy makes. Uh, Mangala look like uh, like a, a just a little pissant like Dexter playing with his chemistry. Hey, hey I'm going to stop you right there, but but you you're probably going to well I should let you clarify yourself. But Mangala was was that's another one that's lied about, right? They lied about Mangala. Yeah. You know that, eh? Yeah, a little bit because I mean they didn't want to make him look like he was like the, the ultimate doctor death. But actually, it's interesting is. Um, the Nazis actually discovered a lot of stuff in their in their uh, scientific studies uh, yeah, with but, human okay, conditions just, but, and stuff. Okay, so I just want to I just want to really make it clear to the people listening that M- Mengele is probably the second most vilified name after Hitler, right? Hitler is the most vilified name, and Mengele is the second one, and it's the most recognizable name next to Hitler's as well. Like everybody always uses that Mengele name, you know, oh, just Mengele this and Mengele that. And even when I was in prison, there was an elderly woman there who purported to say that she had met Mengele and this and that had happened and blah, blah, blah. Like it was, it it was like they have lied about everything about Mengele. The, the man was a good man and he was a a good doctor and he didn't do any of those experiments that they always talk about that, that were you know, basically, I don't know, poking people's eyes out or whatever, <laughs> or <laughs> dying, I don't know what, all the things, and you know, everybody, every Holocaust survivor, quote unquote, I put that in air quotes, talks about how, oh yeah, Mengele did this and that to them, like he was everywhere, I mean, the, the man must have had a, a thousand clones, or, or maybe a million clones, you know, for the six million Jews who all met Mengele, <laughs> you know, so. Well, it's like that they said that, uh, they said that Hess was a doppelganger, right? It, sorry, Hess was a. I, I didn't get that. Catch what that you're yeah, it wasn't really Rudolf Hess. It was a doppelganger. Yeah, <laughs> what, what like Rudolf Hess, the commandant of of Auschwitz. 
No, Rudolf Hess, the, the vice chancellor. Oh, I'm sorry, Rudolf Hess, because there's Hess and Hess. The, the, the yes, Hess, yes. And I don't, I don't remember what the Hess, the commandant of Auschwitz, what his first name. It might have even also been the same first name, but the last name is slightly different. But anyway, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. The the um, Rudolf Hess, who then was killed murdered in prison but they called it a suicide yeah right what was he 87 and he was really fragile old man and they were about to release him and they didn't want him to be released out into the public so he committed suicide instead right Uh, go figure and you know what i have a little anecdotal story when i was arrested i was brought to a police station in sostenfeldbruck which is a little town outside of munich and the the man and woman police officers they brought me into the office to sort of you know um do their paperwork i guess they weren't afraid of me being a violent <laughs> criminal who was going to clobber them on the heads in their office right. so was, uh, actually in their office that would be probably not common protocol right but anyway right. there I was and i was kind of sitting in a chair looking around at at the walls and what was in there i was just observing, and they they had a couple of things on on a pin board there, like a bulletin board type of thing. A couple of things that were on that board were very very interesting to me. One was Rudolf Hess. Um, uh, what did they say? It was um, I think they had the word malt, like which was murder question mark with a big red circle around it with a line through it, sort of like you're something is wrong forbidden or or wrong and then they so they were basically indicating with that little flyer that was pinned on their bulletin board that these guys in their office they had a a little piece of information there that told me that they were very aware that that was not um uh, suicide that's what it was there was suicide are you kidding me (laughs) you know that's kind of what i can't remember exactly the details of what the flyer looked like but it basically was saying no this was not a suicide this was murder okay so that's what that told me and the other thing that was on their pin board was uh Führer Volk und Vaterland or something like that oh skinheads skinheads arbeiten für Führer Volk und Vaterland which means skinheads working for um you know leader the and the folk and the the fatherland like you know their their country and and I can't remember again the wording of it, but it was basically saying that hey, skinheads, what they are portraying as you know bad, bad skinheads. No, they're they're just people who are support wanting to work for their own people and their fatherland, <laughs> and love their their fatherland, love their folk. So I thought that was kind of interesting. These guys, you know, I I would wonder about some of the private conversations they have amongst each other, amongst their ranks. You know, I'm I'm sure that and by now they're all waking up like all these people who are you know the police officers of various places ah it's got to be that they're they're seeing what's going on i know that actually from the transport between the courthouse and the prison and the the drivers sometimes you kind of got little snippets from them of what they were thinking about all these invaders in in the land and and also the people they were transporting most of them were these uh you know, non-Germans. They were blacks. They were a lot of them were just basically animals and yes. and just horrible, like horrible criminals, horrible crimes. I mean, Alfred. I know that one of the first things he observed out of 
prison was, geez, I feel like I'm in an African prison with German staff. And I observed <laughs> some, of the, some of the hooligans wow. in, on the buses. I observed, like, they separated women from men with a barrier, a divider, but plexiglass, and so I could see. And I remember one time I just thought, wow, what are these guys doing? They're behaving like, like very just animals. Like, they were sort of gawking out the window, all of them rushing over to one side and then kind of making funny sounds like, oh, you know, like looking at what's what they're seeing outside and then they all go over to the other side of the window. Like, it was just weird. And, and I thought, these are these are not people that I would have anything in common with, even if they weren't uh, criminals. I mean, you can bet, too, that really these were the worst of the worst because usually the black people, when they're doing crimes, they get off. Like, they just get off scot-free just about. I mean, it's so these are really... These were bad criminals. <laughs> so the drivers, they were witnessing. They know what's going on. They could see. They were experiencing it firsthand. So they actually treated Alfred and me with great respect. And, and that was pretty neat to see and to experience, actually. Well, they, they saw you as truly what you are. You're, 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 the, you're the Volk. So, I mean, you know, they, they and they're just you speaking out. Um, that they, they probably agree with what you said it just oh you can't say that you know so, alfred I mean, says that by the end by the end like and and i'll tell you something on a little tidbit about his time because he spent 558 days in solitary confinement wow. simply for insisting on breathing freely and what i'm talking about is the face diaper he got into quite a it was quite a scene i published it on my website actually it's on freespeechmonica.com if you put in the search bar there um Okay. Uh, the mask tyranny or Alfred Schaefer mask tyranny, something like that, then you would find that story. But that happened December 3rd, 2020, and, and then he was in, in solitary for 558 days. And then the, the mandates, the mask mandates got lifted a couple of weeks before he was released from jail. I just have to take my puppy out the door here. I can keep talking, though, because I think he's indicating he's got to do something here. I've just got this brand new puppy sweet little guy I'm a little bit distracted right now carrying him out the door I can see that he's needing to do something so I'm, okay out you go there you go <laughs> okay I'll let him do that anyway uh, the, they lifted the mask mandates and so he Alfred was able to mingle with the orcs that's what he called the other prisoners <laughs> uh, you know the orcs <laughs> he was able to mingle with them in the last couple of weeks before he was released and, and he was so happy that he did not get released early that he didn't that he would have missed experiencing that um and and then he did some things that he thought oh boy i hope my you know i'm glad my wife can't see me right now because she'd be really upset because she you know she wouldn't want him to be continue to be locked up like he was doing some pretty um you know speaking very clearly shall we say to the guards and whatnot about the whole masking and all the stuff they were doing you know the mandates whatever anyway and he says they they were all coming over to his side like he was treated with the greatest respect and not just from the fellow prisoners but also guards it's just like they were all Uh coming over to his side like it was you know through their body language and through things that they quietly said he knew that they were they knew what was going down like with this whole corona thing that it was all bs and and so they, they really treated him with respect, and they said things to him like, Alfred, we need you out there. 
don't come back. We don't want to see you back here. We need you out there. Like, he actually was told things like that. So that was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, there's a... Well, I mean, there's look, a, here's some ahead. of the questions asked. I mean, I was just looking on your website now, talking about uh, Ursula Haverback has been ordered back to prison and a rebuttal to, to the order. Yes. I mean, this woman's 94 years old. I mean, it's, She's it's, almost 94. It's, She'll be 94 in November, yeah. Yeah, I understand this. Where are the German people saying enough of this bullshit? I mean, seriously, it's like this woman is just speaking the truth. She, yeah. She's like, I grew up in this thing. I saw what would happen. Well, and it I'll goes against what, its yeah. wrong thing, you know? The German people are so – I mean, it's changing now. People are waking up, and they will rise up. I'm confident of that because this it has happened before, too, that the German people had to rise up from being asleep. But they were so re-educated. Now, I'm putting that – in air quotes, you know, the, the re-education a la George Orwell style. That, And then, of course, the the mainstream media over the years, because Ursula Haverbeck has been persecuted since years, and she's been in and out of the courts, and there were always different levels of courts. And then she did end up in prison for two and a half years, and 12 days after she got out of prison, she was facing the... And you know the 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 judges again, not for new things that she did. These are still old old charges. Like there were so many charges against her, right? So anyway, they'll, the headlines in the newspapers will say things like Nazi Oma, you know, uh, and it's just sort of sneering, and they'll just say things about her in the headlines that just for the average Joe Blow who's been terribly reeducated, they'll just think, oh well, yeah, they serve the serve the right. That's good. You know, we don't want any Nazis here, right? Like Nazi in the the way it's just become a smear word and and um, you know, evil, evil, evil. So it's kind of like when Ernst Zundel. I don't know. If, do you remember that name, Ernst Zundel? Yes. Because he in Canada, everybody who sort of had, you know, was was semi-conscious in the 1980s. So if you're old enough to have been semi-conscious in the 1980s, would know that name because he went through these trials in Toronto in in the 1980s, and they were they're dubbed the Great Holocaust Trials and. The mainstream, you know, the headlines were just kind of made it so that, oh, he's a, a kook or he's a crazy guy or he's a bad man. Like, I was hearing these news stories, but I didn't pay much attention. Now, I wish that I had really read between the, like, read the articles in the newspapers carefully, for example, because I would have learned a lot. They actually did uh-huh. report about what went on in those trials, but the headlines are just kind of screaming headlines of oh you know bad guy or so you don't if you're not taking specific interest you're not going to really see that you're just going to get this impression oh bad guy right so that's how they do it with Ursula Haverbeck in Germany but now if I mean for there there's a, there is a huge awakening going on it's just that they're I don't know how to explain it even with Ernst Zundel back in the 80s if if people had actually paid attention to what was revealed in those trials, then we would have learned. But this is how they do it with their media and controlling the, the people's way of thinking and controlling the minds. Yeah, so, I mean, the Internet has been a game changer. I think that's the, the, the thing that enabled a lot of us to wake up, is learning things by the Internet. And before the Internet was widespread, whoops, um, 
it, it um, you know, there were some people, they were, I, I thank them, you know, Ernst Sandel, he was doing all his work before the internet, and there were others, Robert Foiso, and they did it, they, you know, they learned things by doing research through other ways, you know, books, and, and Robert Foiso, he was in Auschwitz, he, he studied, you know, their architectural plans, he studied the physics of it, he studied all kinds of things firsthand. He was a professor in Fra- from France, though, right? So, uh-huh. <laughs> my little puppy here, he's getting getting impatient with me being on the phone for so long. <laughs> he's like a baby. I've, I've had him for oh, less I than know. a week. Your, your pets oftentimes demand attention. I mean, you know, I, I can totally relate. Sometimes they look at me like, dude, have you done yet? I, I got a lap to sit in here, and yours isn't available yet. What's that? You've got a what? You got a lap for me to sit in there, and it's not available yet. Oh Get yeah, on. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. I've I've brought him home less than a week ago, but it's just wonderful. He's the cutest thing ever. He chases his tail all the time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So uh, r- real quick, what was the uh... What was the main reason why Alfred was incarcerated? I mean, because of the fact that um, he spoke his mind, essentially engaged in wrong think. I mean, what videos. was the main reason? Alfred videos. has produced videos. Um, like Obviously, they took down his YouTube channel a few years ago, but um, a lot of his videos can be found if you went, for example, to altcensored.org. That's a site that uh, preserved a lot of his videos and then put in his name there and should should find his first big one was 9-11 gatekeepers and control opposition and at that time he still uh, believed in you know bad Nazi and Holocaust stuff because we don't learn everything overnight right but he had right. had this uh, he had the good fortune of having this dialogue with Noam Chomsky and um, he used that as the basis of that video. So it's called 9-11 Gatekeepers and Controlled Opposition. And it's really funny because one of the charges against Alfred, like they had many charges against him and then several charges against me, but there were more charges against him because as the prosecutor said, he had greater criminal energy than I did. I had criminal energy, but he had more criminal energy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in that video... Um, at one point, he's got the Star of David um, blended into the screen above one shoulder, and the and the swastika blended into the image above the other shoulder. <coughs> and so he was making a comparison, and so obviously he was making comparison with, you know, bad bad Nazis and bad um, uh, Jews, but he didn't know yet, so. And people really, you know, blasted him for that and started calling him an agent and all this stuff. But so for that, he did another video later and and basically his confession. My, my police raided my confession, but I'm getting sidetracked here. What I wanted to say is, one of the charges against him was for that swastika. But the crazy thing about that is they were charging him for portraying the swastika just like the mainstream portrays it like oh this is evil this is bad so mm-hmm. really if you took that you should then also charge all kinds of mainstream publications and and publishers and and you know who are pro- like wikipedia probably has the swastika in places where but they're calling it all bad bad and 
all this stuff, you know. And um, because really that's what he wasn't saying, oh, let's worship, you know, the National Socialist regime here because he still didn't know. He was just starting to wake up and that, you know, you're, we don't, like I say, we don't learn everything overnight. <laughs> right. So it's just so exactly. stupid. Like they don't think about, it, it was crazy. Yeah. You were just going to say something and, there, Sonny? And, and you said the address was altcensored.org? Yeah. Are you finding it? Uh, it, it's, it acts like it wants a low, but it's just like can't be reached. Okay. I should try that out. I'm not in front of the computer right now, and I'm on a corded phone. I'm attached to the wall. <laughs> 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 but anyway, um, altcensored.org, I could give it to you in a Skype message later. It, yes, I mean, up. I was looking it up because, like I said, there's a lot of good stuff out there. I mean, um, many things are getting harder and harder to find as time goes on. And, uh, I'm a big believer that all information should be available. So that way people can honestly make a, a, a true assessment of things, whether it be good or bad. And, uh, but that's the problem. The power yeah. that be want to be able to control all information, not just select information. They want to control yeah. all. And then of course, if you look up certain things they don't like, they want to be able to flag you for that. I mean, you could have someone who's a, a poli-sci major and go, hey, you know, uh, some of the greatest treatises of, of world history, like, okay, I'm going to – or or just, you know, biographies or books written by, you know, world leaders time right now. And it's like, I'm going to look up Caesar's commentaries on the Gallic and Civil Wars, and I'm going to get Plato's Republic, and I'm going to get, yeah. uh, you know, Mein Kampf. Uh, just because it was Hitler's book. Uh, same thing. I want to get uh, John C. Calhoun's dissertations on on the government. I mean, all of a sudden you start picking a couple of leaders they don't like, and it's like, oh, you 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 looked up this guy. That's totally unacceptable. I mean, how can you even be an honest uh, political pundit or a commentator yeah. Yeah. if you haven't even read some of these books and be able to yeah. correctly cite them in the proper context, whether you believe in it or not? You need to be able to be competent in what the book says. I mean, I mean, we could sit there and chastise Marx and Engels all we want, but if you've never read the Communist Manifesto, you really can't comment on it because you're ignoramus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> anyway, it's I, like I if I've never to... seen The Matrix, I can't comment on it, can I? So, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Matrix. That's another interesting story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But because um, I uh, obviously you've seen that movie, eh? Uh, it's been a while. I I never really got into it that much. You know, it was some pretty cool uh, special effects for the time, like with the bullet scene and all that, which is well, cool. But yeah, it's funny because I didn't see it when it first came out, and and uh, I was. Uh, dating a guy at the time he saw it with his son and I asked him a little bit about it and he he talked about all the special effects and you know and I wasn't really interested in that <laughs> the very thing that you thought were pretty mm-hmm. cool but so I didn't go look but then after I figured out 9/11 which was about 2011 um some 9/11 truther friend of mine I can't remember who it was but he said you got to see that movie you got to see that movie so I did I rented it with a friend and I just by the end, I thought, "Wow, are they ever mocking us and laughing at us in and 
just the place, like it's two realities, right? The 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 simulated reality that everybody thinks is real, and then the real reality. And the real reality was called Zion. <laughs> I thought, wow, they're smearing in our faces. Do you remember that? It's just that like, why that. But look look how much the uh, a lot of the TV shows predicted happening. You had the spinoff from the X Files, which is a smoking gun, which talked about a, a passenger airliner crashing into World Trade and just misses it by yeah. a fraction of an inch. And oh. that, that was only like what, two years before it happened. Right. Uh, Simpsons. Simpsons had an image in the background where it looked like the towers were on fire. I mean, all sorts of crap. I mean, it's pretty obvious they, show they put us, it out there. They show us what they're going to do, don't they? And, and with the Matrix. Oh, criminals what, love to brag. Pardon me? Criminals love to brag. Well, but you know what? They have their rule books, and the, the they have their rules. They have to show us, and basically if we consent to stuff, they can do it. And th- it doesn't mean consenting as in, oh, can I do this? And we say, yes, you can do this. No, it's like they show us stuff, and if we don't object, they call that consent. But the Matrix, what I say to people is that's basically a science fictionalized version of what is going on. On you know there mm-hmm. are two realities. There's the the one that we're all indoctrinated to believe, and then there's the the real the real reality. So <laughs> you know so that's when we wake up we start figuring out the real thing. <laughs> anyway, I was wondering, does this show go for two hours or three hours? Oh, it goes for it goes for a little over two. Um, real quick, I just want to mention to you, I've read something recently. You know, in the 1950s, when they had the James Dean thing with the black leather jackets on the motorcycles and all that stuff, I actually read not too long ago that a lot of that, um, a lot of that imagery is basically taking its nod from the from the SS uniforms. Oh, the imagery in in where? Sorry. Like a lot of the 50s rebel stuff, like you know James Dean's, you know, yeah. rebel without a cause. Oh, a yeah. lot of that is actually inspired by Nazi iconography because of the fact that the how how menacing they looked in the huh. black leather trench coats and all that stuff. I mean, it's actually oh, pretty yeah. awesome when you think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Interesting. I thought that was Very. pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, for mm. sure. Yeah. Well. If all goes well, we're going to have an awesome show next week, and I'll, I'll um, finalize the details as soon as I get it put in place. But I encourage everybody to tune into the show next week because we're going to have an awesome roundtable, and it's definitely a show to be listened to, that's for sure, because we're going to have some very phenomenal folks all together in one room, and it's just going to be totally badass. And, there's a, and, and I can tell you this, it's going to be all crowds. So everybody better... Uh, Get your inner Deutsch on because, of fact, there's going to be all crowds in the room, and we're all proud of it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of that crowd. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, it's been really, really great talking to you, Sonny. It was uh, quite a while since we talked before, and I'm really, really happy to be back on the show with you. So, um, yeah. Well, Thanks like for said, inviting me. The, it was short notice. The platform, the platform is always available for you, and if you like to take over a show once in a while to uh, just to, to get out of view, whatever, and to talk to our audience. That opportunity is always available for you, Monica. Oh, thanks, Sonny. That's great. Yeah, and and I'm just so happy that there are people like you around that do these, these kind of shows because we need to 
really work hard to wake our fellow uh, people up, you know, that our, our people need to wake up. And I think that's happening, and it's really happening fast. Unfortunately, a lot of them got jabbed already before they woke up, but then perhaps it's the vaccinees who get them, the, might be our strongest allies when they realize what's been done to them. <laughs> you know, Yeah, so they're still going to be around to do anything about it. But that yeah. might be a good thing because that means essentially a dead man walk and they got nothing to lose. That's exactly right. You know, that they want to make their what what they have left in life worthwhile, you know. Yeah, they, and they're going to make some bones, that's for sure. But what yeah. I can understand is why uh, why, people, why there aren't true patriots out there who have taken, in our case, have taken an oath to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Mm-hmm. Why guys like George Soros out there are still walking around, especially here in the United States. You know, why isn't somebody going there and do a citizen's rest on his skank ass? You know, what? Yeah. or better yet, kidnap him, take him back to Hungary where he belongs, where there is an international arrest warrant for this guy, and they want to trial that guy like you can't imagine. Take him and his damn son with him. I mean, seriously, I don't understand that. It's just going yeah, to show no, you the I, I think you're right. Talks. Actually, a lot of people, they just need to be arrested. And you know what the punishment for treason is and always has been, you know, traitors. They they do get uh, taken care of as in get hung or, you know, basically the like there's so many traitors and, and treasonous people who have done this you know, and participated in it, they they need to be arrested. And, and people at various levels, I think, need to be arrested. So, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Let's, yeah, okay. Well, maybe someday the military tribunals may start, you know. There's always a possibility, but, it, it, I mean, who knows. But, you know, eventually the system is going to collapse on itself because it's unsustainable. I mean, look how long the the Soviet Union lasted before it totally collapsed. I mean, all the shell gaming had had uh, played its way. And the thing that gets me is they they hated the National Socialist government so bad they did the full denazification of Germany and then put it on a fraudulent federal system that really didn't exist but it's been completely controlled and occupied since 1945. But yet when the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, where's the outrage? Where was the tribunals? Where, where was the uh, right. international courts demanding that the Soviets answer for the crimes that they did in the Eastern Bloc, as well as they did maybe even some of the crimes in Afghanistan? Where, where was the outrage? Nothing. Not a peep. That's how you know who runs the system. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, and yeah. So I, I brought up a very interesting comparison. I said, what if the War of 1812 was actually a true um, world war. Like, okay, we don't like the fact that Americans have a government that to let their own people decide what the hell happens, but that's a threat to the monarchies. How about all the kingdoms of Europe combined to destroy the United States and help, help the British because of the fact that we can't have a people of, of, by, or for the people to be ruling monarchies or at least an elite oligarchy that runs everything. So... How is that any different than what we did in Germany in the 1940s? I mean, seriously, it's like they had a government that, that they did not approve of. They basically said, you know what, screw you. We're not going to do usury anymore, and we're, and we're not going to allow the culprits that push a lot of this stuff and the smut in our society get away with it anymore. Oh, gee, can you imagine that? 
if the United States had a similar situation or all the countries of the world just thought, hey, we're going to go and take you out because we yeah. don't like your former government and how you run business. Yeah. You know? That's exactly yeah. what they did to Germany. Yeah, that's right. And then afterwards they hung the you know, the leaders and created these trials where something like twenty four hundred out of three thousand of the staff at Nuremberg were Jews, something like that. You've probably got the mm-hmm. numbers, I don't know. It was like the vast majority of the people who ran the Nuremberg trials were Jews. I mean, did they teach us that in school? No, the Jews, they all, you know, six million of them got murdered. You know, the poor Jew, poor Jew, always uh, persecuted, persecuted. No, it was everything opposite, everything opposite. So, anyway. Yeah, Eisenhower never got held accountable for the Eisenhower death camps. Exactly. Why, why Why was he not tried as a war criminal for that? And did people do people understand that more Germans died after World War Two ended than during? I mean, it's just unbelievable what happened. Like, oh yeah, the, the, starved the and raped. documentary really showcases yeah. what what the Allies did to the German people. I mean, there were outright war crimes on on Deutschland. Yeah. 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 It's amazing how this stuff goes on, but there, there's everything, a everything turned on its head, Sonny. Everything backwards, like. All of the, you know, thing they told us about Germany, evil, evil, evil. No, it was done to them. The things that they said that the Germans did to the Jews, no, it was done to them. That, people have to understand that. It's not just that they didn't do what they're accused of, but it was done to them. And so that's what, you know, and they're not allowed to grieve that either because if they start grieving that, then, oh, they're they're Nazis or they're, they're um you know, radical right-wing, you know, racists and bigots who are, like, they're persecuted instead. So they're not even allowed to grieve their own losses without being, without the Germans being persecuted, you see. So anyway, it's all backwards, but we are waking up, the people are waking up, and I understand from from my brother that, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people who are lost and they're never going to wake up, but there are many, many who are rising. And I, I do see... Um, clips of videos from people who are on the ground and and they're showing these huge uprisings in Germany right now, like protests that Mm -hmm. are huge. This is like the people are getting agitated. They are standing up. And and I know that just a protest alone isn't going to do anything. There have to be arrests. There have to be actual changes. But this is the beginning. This is the beginning. This is actually going to light the fire in the people's bellies. Because I think that that's one of the things that does happen at these protests, in in spite of the fact that some people are critical of protests because it doesn't do anything. But no, it does light the fire in, in your belly, and then I think it will lead to some pretty interesting times, especially this winter when people start to get cold or you know the, the gas is turned off or the electricity is turned off. Boy, oh boy, then that's when really, you know, when the when the discomfort starts, that's when people will actually really rise up and wake up and and just understand. Okay. But not that, but when you really... see when you see all your elites sitting in nice, cozy, comfortable homes, well yeah. heated, well fed, people, yeah. uh, you know, just like what happened with uh, how the Russian or the uh, French Revolution started. You know, there was a small ice age, and a lot of the crops died off. We had uh, the the crown always made sure they still had the best food, and then. You know, uh, Maria Antoinette's a comment saying, oh, let them eat cake. 
She yeah, yeah. made a smart-ass comment, and she really yeah, didn't yeah. anything by it, per se. But the bottom line is, I said, that's it. That's the last straw. And then, uh, yeah. you know, that, that shit went on for a while until Napoleon finally came in and, and saw an opportunity to try to you know, straighten things out. And again, look yeah. how much he's demonized. They, they, they say he's the first Antichrist, and Hitler's the second one. Well, usually a third time's a charm, right? So whoever the third guy is must be worse than Hitler ever could be. Who's the third guy, sorry? He must, he must be our guy. Whoever the third Antichrist oh, is that they okay, claim uh, is going to be there, he must be our guy, man. He must make Hitler look like a small time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sonny, I, I, had, I need to go. I, um, I need to go out and get the horses from one field to another. I sort of have some chores to do here. It's not okay, my horses okay. if people are... People are suddenly thinking I have horses. No, I don't. But <laughs> I'm out in the country, and I've, it's uh, my neighbor's horses, and I have some chores to do with them, and it's starting to get dark. So I think I should go and, and do that now and take care of things with the puppy and make some dinner and stuff. So, But it's been just a real good uh, conversation with you. I'm really grateful that you invited me, even on the short notice, just sent me that message today. That was just great. I'm always happy to do that. So thank you very, very, very much. Well, we appreciate you, and uh, looking forward also to including you next week as well. Okay, I hope to be there. Okay, thank you. All right, have a good night. Yeah, thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Okay, that's Monica Schaefer, and uh, again, she gave us uh, some interesting uh, tidbits about her situation as well as what her brother had gone through, uh, some of the reasons why he was incarcerated there in Deutschland, and uh, it's, it's actually amazing, and it's good to see him back out. I was actually on um, – there was a guy that invited me into um, one of those – it wasn't necessarily through Zoom, it's through one of these other ones. We, we were through um, one of these carriers anyways, and there was a who's who of guys on the right, and I had some very interesting company I was keeping with, and one of them was Alfred Schaefer, and um, – uh, Got a chance to hear him talk. It was not too long after that where he, he got nabbed. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. But there was uh, other interesting guys on there as well as David Duke, myself, uh, a couple other guys. And, again, it's been so long since I saw the video. I can't remember who was all in there. But I know Alfred Schaefer was in there, and I was like, wow, cool. And then I found out afterwards, like, oh, that's Monica's brother. I was like, oh, sweet. And then I was like, then he got nabbed. And I was like, well, son of a bitch. So I was just like, man, so I, I loosely kept what was going on there so that way I can try to stay in step with stuff. I mean, sometimes it's between just juggling all the stuff I got going on and trying to reformat everything and stuff, I sometimes I lose track of what all is going on. Then every now and then, uh, you know, a listener will, will chime in to me or send me an email and say, hey, man, have you checked out the latest update on this guy or that person or whatever? Or, hey, whatever happened to such and such or are you ever going to have this guest on again? I mean, it's like, oh, wow, cool. I mean, I really appreciate people sending feedback because the fact that it really makes me uh, uh, maybe go back and recheck some stuff. Or every now and then I'll see um, uh, someone post one of my older shows, and then I'll just click on it just so I can listen to it from my own creative perspective. Like, okay, how much have I improved since then? Have things changed? Uh, what did I do back then? Whatever. And then I listen to it, and I go, oh, wow, some cool stuff here. And then I go, oh, yeah, God, I forgot about this interview. And I'll go back and listen to it myself and refresh. And then sometimes I'll catch up with the with the guests that I feature and say, hey, uh, I was listening to your episode again recently and wanted to follow up with you. 
and and I'll write down the bullet points that I had mentioned during the program, and then oftentimes uh, either talk with them um, offline to you know kind of fill in the blanks, or I'll go ahead and bring them back on and actually um, you know talk shop with them. So it's a lot of fun. So I've been actually going through some of my list of uh, guests I've had on. There's a few of them I haven't had on in a long time, and making sure I can still stay in contact with them because I've had some really interesting guests here on the show. And I look forward to trying to bring a lot of that uh, energy and excitement back to the program. Like I said, I've had a lot of stuff going on here, trying to get stuff formatted. Um, I had internet issues for a while because some of the devices either were, weren't working right um, or the, the plans are not what they were sold as and all sorts of other crap. And then it's just trying to like, oh, dude, you know, and then, I'd reformat some of my computers just because of the fact that they, you know, getting bogged down. And so some of it I learned to do myself, but I don't always have time to mess with it. So, but now that it's getting a little bit cooler out, um, I have a lot more time to want to stay indoors to try to get stuff done. And I've been trying to get a few more programs back up on par and, and stay on top of things. And pretty soon I'm going to have a regular schedule where I've got a itinerary and say, okay, this day, this day, and this day, I have to finish Resolution Radio and do stuff on it. So I'm um, just getting back into the swing of things and just, um, you know, I appreciate everyone's patience because I know some people ask me, hey, man, you haven't had shows in a while or what's going on? Are everything all right? And I'm like, yeah, everything's good. It's just dealing with technical difficulties, uh, just trying to ramp up a few things and just get better deals. That seems to be the biggest problem right now. I'm on a tight budget. And trying to keep stuff uh, within that budget sometimes is, is can be difficult, especially when you have to fix something as opposed to upgrade. If fix means it's broke, it has to be done. Upgrade is uh, uh, as you're able to, you know. But, again, people that still want to support us, there's information there in the show description. If you want to uh, support Resolution Radio, then um, you can send check, money, order, well, concealed cash to Sonny Thomas. P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. So that's P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. I only have a few of the Resolution Radio blood teas left. They are $25 plus $5 shipping and handling. And I've tried to keep the price down as low as I can, but I am was trying to use some of the money to uh, keep the shirts to sustain themselves. I've got other shirts designed, um, but I just haven't been able to uh, uh, mess with that stuff yet. So that's one of the things I'm looking at uh, getting it done as well is uh, ordering another batch of the blood tea as well as some of the new designs that I've also been putting together uh, for sale as well. And I've looked at a couple different websites that I can set up my store but you have to have at least three items to be able to consider opening a store with. So I may have to scrounge up some cash, go ahead and uh, reorder the blood tea, and then go ahead and uh, order the other two that I had set up, and then um, they'll actually sustain themselves. So that's one of the things I'm looking at here in the future as well. But anyways, so there was a clip that uh, I had gotten uh, recently. And um, uh, there's a lady that was talking about some of the stuff that was going on, not necessarily just in the jab, 
but in the nasal swabs. And so I thought that was actually a very interesting um, thing in itself. So I wanted to go ahead and play that clip for you. Nasal swab tests that everyone's been taking are not tests. So what are they and what do they do? Luckily, I printed off this report out of the Slovak Republic before it disappeared from the Internet. They performed a lab analysis on the test sticks between November 2020 and March of 2021. And what they found was nylon broken fibers at the ends of these test sticks. Their job is to disrupt the epithelium or the surface layer on the mucosa all the way up your nose where it meets your brain. It's breaking through there and then subsequently leaching the contents of the nylon fibers, which is DARPA hydrogel and lithium. After coming into contact with organic fluid, this material, the DARPA hydrogel, will start to form crystalline structures in a fractal manner throughout the brain, making its way to the pineal gland. The DARPA hydrogel creates 3D crystalline structure, and they grow throughout the tissue. I'm going to read this part word for word. After spawning a mixture of nylon fiber fragments, DARPA hydrogel remains on the nasal mucosa under the pituitary and pineal glands along with lithium. This mixture immediately reacts with living structures to form crystals that are directly oriented to the pineal gland, which has its own electromagnetic field. The shape of the crystals determines the type of hydrogel used. The crystals are conductive due to the lithium contained in it. The crystals can receive the signal from the transmitter to the cell and transmit signals from the cell to the transmitter. These are actually nano antennas. Lithium is an element that does not occur naturally in humans and is highly toxic to the pineal gland influence. In low doses, it blocks it, and in higher doses, it can completely destroy it. Aluminum and mercury also have toxic effects on the pineal gland, which are widely used in jibby jabs. The pineal gland produces serotonin, a hormone of happiness, and controls human biorhythms. It is crucial for higher brain activity, creativity, foresight, sixth sense, etc., and for social interactions of man. DARPA hydrogel is an artificial substance that creates a converter between the electromagnetic field and living cell, tissue, and organ. Converts an electromagnetic signal from transmitter to a signal which a living cell understands and responds to. DARPA hydrogel and lithium block and destroy the pineal gland and cause the thinking person to become a controllable bio-robot. The Jibby Jabs also contain DARPA hydrogel, lithium, and patented genetic information. Nasal swab tests that everyone's been taking are not... So that was a clip there where I thought she had some pretty good stuff there <clears throat> showing why they kept pushing for those damn uh, nasal swabs all the time. They were trying to make it mandatory in many employers order to be fined. So, I mean, we're talking huge fines, tens of thousands. So you got to ask yourself... Whenever we wanted to do these really exorbitant fines, what the hell were they really pushing? I think that kind of says it all. So uh, that's something that really just kind of makes you go, hmm. But, uh, you know, it definitely should wake you up. That's for sure. All righty. So we're going to have a really awesome show next week. Uh, like I said, we're starting to get the shows <coughs> in, um, back online and back in order. And so uh, – it, it's uh, it's coming together. Uh, again, Samhain is coming up. As a matter of fact, uh, 
next weekend, I think is. Yes, so Salwan is definitely going to be here next weekend. So I'm going to be um, trying to get some other folks on to talk about that a little bit more uh, like I do every year. And um, I try to change up some of the folks a little bit so that way we have more of a variety. Uh, but let's see. Yeah, because Salwan will be the following weekend because Halloween's actually on Monday. The 31st so good stuff there but like I said uh, we've been trying to really showcase some of that stuff and uh, get into our, our pagan holiday especially when you start getting near Yule so that's for sure alrighty we are going to close tonight feature uh, one of my favorite bands from Finland Battle Beast and we shall close it with Bastard Son of Odin Skull.
You're listening to Resolution Radio. 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 ResolutionRDO.com. 